0: Thank you for having me, Joe. Hi,
1: welcome to the podcast. I am Joe poznansky and uh our usual co-host Mike Shore is uh literally finishing up the final season of The Good Place. Finishing up, so hopefully in 2 weeks uh we will have him back uh and in full force and uh which is exciting, but but even more exciting is uh Uh, Our special guest host today, um, our dear, dear friend, Ellen Adair. Ellen, hello.
0: Hello. I'm definitely less exciting. However, I am very excited to be here. So I'm going to try to make up in, in the excitement gap.
1: There, With there is my no own exci-
0: excitement.
1: No, no. There is there is no excitement gap here. There is no. <laughs> there is none at all. You are more exciting than Michael every time. Uh, how are you? How how? You know, I, I I. You were just on MLB Network. Everybody is now beginning to fully appreciate your awesomeness and your baseball, your baseball um, acumen, or or whatever you want to say. Uh yeah, you're, and now you're on all kinds of baseball podcasts. It's you're, you're you you've become a baseball celebrity, haven't you?
0: I don't feel that way, uh, <laughs> not at all, but i mean i I think I certainly have being on the baseball podcasts to thank for being getting to be on m l b network, which was a lot of fun and so thank you,
1: no, you were great. You were great, so we'll be doing uh we'll be doing a special baseball draft. Here in a little bit, and we're going to, of course, do the Yankee Minute uh, as well. Uh, but I want to start off be, uh, because Ellen, uh, as everybody who follows Ellen on on Twitter and and uh, Instagram, and if you do not, you should. Uh, what is your What is your uh, on on Instagram? It's just Ellen Adair, is it not, or is it something else?
0: On Instagram, it's Ellen Adair G, the letter G. Ellen because, Adair G. Yes, because somebody else had already taken Ellen Adair. I don't. I don't know who that person is.
1: <laughs> I'll bet you they're Ellen Adair. I'll bet I, you I that's mean, a, that yes, book.
0: that is that is true. Um, <laughs> and 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 on Twitter, I am Ellen underscore Adair. I know who has taken Ellen Adair without an underscore. Oh. I haven't looked at it in a while, but I mean, this is back when when I uh, had first signed up for Twitter, and it was like. A mother daughter duo that makes baskets or oh. something like that I I'm it's it's a few years ago, so I wish I could look it up and remember it exactly. but I just thought that that was really hilarious. I was like, that
1: is wonderful. I actually wonderful.
0: approve of the fact that you are just at Ellen Adair and that I have to be at Ellen underscore Adair because you should you should go on and and make baskets mother daughter duo. You it. think
1: you think one of their names is Ellen and another one is Adair? Do you think that like like they're like it's they're actually two different people? Do you think that's how that works? Or
0: that's possible? I don't know how many people there are with Adair as as a as a first name, but uh, yeah, my, it's, my it's, aunt's name first name is Adair. So, oh, see, yeah, so, they, so it, there's at least one. At least one. I, I, I
1: imagine there are there are there's more than one, and I imagine that that more than one of them makes baskets. So I think that's really, <laughs> it's awesome. If you follow Ellen Adair, Ellen underscore Adair, Ellen Adair G, all of the options, uh, you you are fully aware that Ellen is a gigantic. Uh, Phillies fan in addition to being uh just this awesome overall baseball fan but particularly you're gonna get a lot of Phillies which is good and that's where I want to start because somebody somebody just showed me a stat uh, a few minutes ago uh, that that blows my <sighs> mind on multiple levels and multiple levels this blows my mind uh so so Mike Tauchman, talkman however you say his name the the new Yankee sensation who I'm sure we will discussed during the Yankee minute um, has 2.8 war this year uh, in 60 games. He's been, he's been insanely good, basically a Mike Trout level player uh, for 60 games and Bryce Harper in double the games in 112 games uh, has a full win less in war than, than Mike Toshman does. And, mm-hmm. uh, I know, I know, and I'm not bringing this up to you to to haunt you as a Phillies fan because, let's face it, on a daily basis, you are getting haunted as a Phillies fan. That's sort of how that that's sort of the the role you have chosen in your life. But here's my question for you, and this is a, this is a semi serious one. Um, where are you on Bryce Harper right now? Like, where where is like your Philly enthusiasm for? Bryce Harper. It's his first year. You know, it's not uncommon for somebody in their first year to to struggle, especially the beginning and and all of that. But he has been kind of a dud. He's not been terrible and and, and has at times been okay, but he's not been great. Uh, Kind of a dud, uh, but it is his first year. So, where would you say your optimism and enthusiasm is for Bryce Harper at the moment?
0: That's a really great question. And I would say, that I am, I am baffled <laughs> uh, that, that Bryce Harper is not succeeding in an environment where everybody can hit a bajillion home runs. Yes. And it's yeah. just the nature of my baseball fandom that when somebody perhaps underperforms their expectations, I'm not mad at them. I'm just sad. I'm just I'm just confused and sad. So I don't I don't hate Bryce Harper. And no, I'm no. I well, and I'm not even like, get this guy out of here. Like I'm still <laughs> really glad that he's on the Phillies team. And right. I I'm trying to construct a narrative for myself so that I can sleep better at night, which is that <laughs> Bryce Harper will be better next year. And the Phillies right. will have a better team chemistry next year now that it's not a bunch of guys who have been thrown together. Um, which is not to say that there aren't plenty of right. teams that have succeeded with a bunch of guys thrown together, but like maybe that's the problem. Maybe they just need to play together for a year and then next year they'll all feel a little bit more comfortable. The immediately puncturing holes in this theory. Is that the Phillies, of course, played their best baseball the first few weeks of the season? Um, <laughs>
1: yes. So
0: it's not necessarily uh, <laughs> that we that we need more time.
1: The thing that blows my mind about Bryce Harper is exactly what you just said. So I can understand the, the strikeout thing. You know, he's striking out essentially at two hundred strikeout pace, which is ridiculous for a player as, as good as Bryce. Bryce Harper is not a limited type of player. He's not a swing, you know, for the fences type of player. I mean, it's, it's, it's not good. It's not good that he's striking out that much. Okay. But, but let's accept that he's also walking a ton, which, you know, he's, he's got a great eye and, and, and he's, he's got that ability. So, so accepting that, accepting the low batting average, accepting all of those things, what in the, how is he not hitting the ball out of the park? I, I, that's the part. Like, if he was doing everything he's doing now, if he was hitting, you know, 249, uh, and slugging, even, even if he was slugging just, you know, he's slugging around 460 now, even if he was slugging right around there, but like 10 of his doubles were home runs. I mean, the slugging percentage would go up, obviously, but he's, he's got quite a few doubles. He's got 30 doubles. So, you know, he's on 40 some double pace, but, where are the home runs that's the part that to- you you watch him every day I mean are you just not seeing I mean, this guy his whole game was that he had like inordinate power like bizarre crazy power you watch him every day are you just not seeing that power at all
0: i i guess not yeah and i yeah. and i and i just i just feel Confused by it, and I do. You know, just to to double back on on two quick points before we move ahead with this, because I have many things to say. Um, number <laughs> number one is like, would I next year or like moving forward, would I still rather have Bryce Harper on my team than Mike Talkman? Yes, even if Mike Talkman didn't Yankees stink about him for me personally, I still believe that going forward, right. Bryce will be a better player. And the other thing that I that I just want to to say that personally, I have appreciated how much better Bryce Harper's defense has been this year than it was last year. And, yes. you know, that there are yes. there are plenty of times when I have seen Bryce Harper win the game with his glove rather than with his bat. And so I have to applaud him for that being, you know, the ladies love smartly executed defensive plays club president. Um but I yes, and I and I don't know, and I I don't know if that's just because I I watch a lot of baseball. I'm by no means an expert on swing mechanics and stuff like that. And I what what is interesting is, of course, you know, last year everybody was down on Bryce Harper because his batting average took a nosedive, and this year it's sure. Ooh, well. Actually, I guess it's about the same as it was. I think it's it's that I think it's same. that early in in the season last year. Right. I thought it was a little lower last year than it was. Um, it was, and then and it then was. He, yeah, and then well, he yeah. went he on a, he crazy, was, he was a crazy, yeah. crazy, tear and and improved his batting average. But that it was sort of like oh well, what we're seeing is Bryce Harper's hitting more home runs than he has in anything except for that magical 2015 season, and he's just sort of like many baseball players, selling out a little bit of his batting average for power. And this year, it seemed like for a little while, his batting average was slightly higher than it had been last year, but he had less power. So I understand that that's very much just me, you know, not not being a mechanic specialist and more so just kind of looking at the results and looking at like, hmm, that was a home run and, and that wasn't. But it's a big surprise, given that you know it, it was a, a park upgrade for him to go to Citizens Bank Park, of course, which only accounts for half of his games. Um, but yeah, it just it it baffles me that that he's hit fewer home runs, as I said, on MLB Network than like you know Mitch Garver. Does uh, it make sense to me? It's so confusing,
1: and you know, and I think it needs to be said. I mean, every year is different, and this year in particular is is crazy on so many different levels uh across baseball we'll talk about that in a minute but you look at Bryce Harper and in 2014 in uh, 2016 he hit 243 with a 114 OPS plus uh in 2014 he had a 111 OPS plus uh last year he got off to that unbelievably terrible start you're right he was hitting 200 you know for for three months, you know, and then he got uh, a big a big August and September and kind of brought up his numbers to a reasonable amount, but still at 249 and did not slug 500. And then this year he's hitting 249 and he's not slugging 500. And this year it's worse. He's really he's really is in many ways, even though his numbers look very, very similar to last year and, and three years ago and and all that. Um because the numbers are you know so inflated this year he is having a much worse year. He's actually having probably his worst year, you know, probably since he was 21 years old and, and offensively. um, And if he was playing defense like he did last year, it would be a full fledged disaster, but, but he's not, he's playing better defense. So, so his numbers are going to be okay, but I don't understand. Like, I don't understand. And, and I think you're, you're, you're hitting on something that, that is, is part of why it's so baffling. I don't know what he's trying to do anymore. Like, like when he was great, he did everything well, you know, in his MVP year, he was, he did everything well in the, in 2017, when he got hurt, he did everything well, but, but now it's like, he's not really a power hitter. He's, he's, he walks a lot, but he's not really controlling the strike zone. He's striking out more than he's ever struck out before. Um, he's, he's certainly not going to beat you on the bases. So what, what is happening? What is he even, you know, he just seems like a mess of a lot of of a lot of things. And he just doesn't, he just doesn't, he feels like a puzzle missing about five pieces and you can't figure out what the heck they are and, and how he gets them back. And that to me has been the weirdest part. And I think the fact he's doing it that's in true. his first year of a, what, what, how long that was this deal, this deal was 73 years, right? Or 73 Yes, years, 66,000 yes. billion, billion dollars, right? It was whatever it was. Yeah. I think that I, I don't have it in front of me, but that's how I remember it. And and, you know, you you look all I mean, it's really this is why I'm glad to hear you say that you're not sort of hopeless about this, because it could be this could be as big a disaster as any signing in baseball history. If this guy if this is who he is now at age 26 in his first year with 12 more years to go after this. I mean, this could make the pools contract look like, you know, like like like, you know, the bargain of the century because because, you know, and that's really scary. And I don't know. I mean, I like Bryce Harper. I've always liked Bryce Harper. And I want to believe that somewhere in there um, is is not the player that he was his MVP year, but but something at least close to that. And now, you know, three of the last four years, this has been who he's been. And and I I don't know if it's going to come back.
0: Yeah. And the thing that really gives me pause, the one thing that that I have learned this year that has um, devalued my opinion of Bryce Harper is to learn, as is always sort of casually mentioned on broadcasts, that he doesn't much go in for like looking at tape or you know looking yeah. at at numbers <laughs> and trying to improve himself that way he really is just sort of like no i'm just going to keep battling through and i'll find it and i understand that you know um that not every baseball player feels that that is useful for them um just in the right. same way that i understand that that actors are different you know so I actually, I very much like to, have to, now I'm just used to it, watch myself, look at it and be like, oh, this is how I can improve. This is what I can do next time in the scene. But for some actors right. to have watched themselves just do a scene, make them super self-conscious and then they wouldn't be able to do it the next time. So I sort of get that. And at the on the other hand, I feel like, okay, it's 2019. I think you you need to learn how to not make that self-conscious have, not have that make you self-conscious anymore, because that's the direction that the team that the, that the whole game is heading is that we have all of this information, and players are using it to get better. and players are, you know going to to driveline and they're, you know meeting with Doug Latta, and they're 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 figuring out how to make themselves better. And that Bryce Harper has such incredible talent. And doesn't want to avail himself of any of those things, it it worries me a little bit. I'm not going to lie.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I well, it, as well it should because it's not like you know. I mean, I, I always remember George Brett always used to talk about you know he he, he was really struggling and then he went and started working with uh, with the famous uh, hitting coach Charlie Lau and you know he he and when he made it all the way to the Hall of Fame, he really credited Charlie Lau, but. He was the first one to admit that the reason Charlie Lau was able to save him, the reason he listened to Charlie Lau is because he was hitting 220 at the time. And and if he was hitting 290, he would never have gone to Charlie Lau. Like he, The only way you go is if you're failing. That's really when you start looking for things. So sure, it's all well and good for Bryce Harper when he's hitting 330 to say, hey, I do it my own way. That's great. But like I say, this is three out of four years that Bryce Harper has been you know, at best, you know, above average, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's at his worst, he's been well below average, but I mean, he, he's the, the superstar, uh, element is, is, is not been there, uh, at all, um, except for, you know, very brief stretches. And so you would think, hey, this, this time to start putting away whatever preconceived notions you might have about how to get better because, exactly, uh, you got to get better. So it's, it's, you know it's it's crazy. Well, this leads into what I want our next topic to be, and and as Ellen, as everybody I assume knows, and Ellen just mentioned, Ellen is a is a wonderful actress, and Ellen has done uh, Shakespeare, uh, a lot of Shakespeare. Uh, Shakespeare is what brought her into the profession, uh, and so I sort of have this. I don't know if it's a Shakespearean question, um, but but it but it is it is sort of. Um, I want to discuss this in a bigger global sense because everybody's talking about um, the crazy home run pace that we're on in 2019, and uh, it is unprecedented. And there are, you know, every day I seem to come up with with new uh, numbers, or or somebody points something out to me to show just how crazy it is. We're gonna 19 teams have a chance to break their team home run record, and and uh, the five or six of the worst. Um, home runs allowed, pitching staffs in baseball history are going to happen this year and this year alone. Um, You know, it's crazy. We're in the midst of this insane, insane home run thing. So my question for you is, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about, we all know about the ball. We all know about, about, you know, some of the other theories about the launch angles and and workouts and all this other stuff. I don't want to talk about that. What I want to ask you about is, in the scope of baseball where let's face it, we love the home run. I mean, we're, we're baseball fans. Everybody, you know, the, the home run has been, has been, you know, if not the most, uh, important and, and, and exciting play in the game, it's certainly right up there. Uh, you know, the game when it was, when, when it was in trouble, um, you know, Babe Ruth started hitting the ball out, and, and that really changed the whole way people looked at, at the game. And, of course, you know, in the late 90s, even though we now look at that differently, uh, that also, you know, the, the Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire thing, as much as we loathe it now uh, because of the uh, steroids and all that, uh, it did changed the dynamic of the game entirely and and fans started flooding in in record numbers and all that. So we love the home run and yet this home run thing, everybody essentially is looking around saying this is ludicrous. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. We are seeing a different kind of game. So my question to you in this global way is where do you sort of feel, what do you feel about this game that you love with the balls flying out the way that they're doing, is it is it diminishing your excitement of the game? Is it actually making you more excited about the game? Do you sort of feel like, hey, I'm a baseball fan and and I'll love the game no matter what it is or wherever it takes me? Sort of, where are you in in that sort of larger
0: way? I think mostly angsty and conflicted. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't think that I I don't think that I love this. I, I do not yeah. love this super bouncy 2019 baseball. And and that's mm-hmm. for a few, few reasons. And one of them is, you know, you had you had written a, a piece about this with, you know, a lot of great gifts. Somebody hitting something that that really looks like it's probably gonna get caught in the gap and instead it's a home run. And
1: mm-hmm. I
0: I had uh, I had written at the time that I feel like home runs are becoming an overvalued currency from too much printing and that pretty soon we're gonna need an entire, entire wheelbarrow worth of home runs just to buy a loaf of bread. <laughs> That's how it feels. It just feels like they're not worth anything anymore. Yeah. And so that makes them not as exciting. What's hard is that I understand that what home runs are are incredibly effective you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They help your team win, and so therefore they're fun. But the the private truth for me is that I have never considered home runs to be the most fun part of the game, except right. for insofar as they would help my team win. I, I am, in terms of my aesthetic tastes, I very much love the ball in play. I love defense and... I also love, you know, legging out a grounder and I love advancing the runner. And I, I love it when there's a guy on third, because then it's like, oh, my God, it's like, what's going to happen? As opposed to if there's nobody on the base paths and somebody hits a home run, you're like, yay. But you almost weren't even primed for something that good to happen. And right. one of the things I really enjoy about baseball is the moment that you've got a runner in scoring position and something more might happen right now. So, all of this is to say, it's like I understand that sabermetrics teach us that you know a a pulled fly ball is the most effective kind of ball that you can hit if you want your team to win. And I'm not saying that baseball players and baseball teams should less try to win just so that fans enjoy watching baseball more. I'm not saying that, but I am saying like I I just. I feel conflicted about it. It also feels to me like home runs are are the super cheap and easy thing to get excited about, you know? It's sort of like yeah. the basic baseball fan thing, you know? Like it's it's like saying that somebody lives for home runs is like saying that somebody lives for avocado toast or something. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're, the home
1: run is the avocado toast of, of, of baseball. <laughs> I, I think that's I think this that's is fair what to say. The people
0: <laughs> come to the pod, podcast for. It takes like home runs are the avocado toast of
1: baseball. sure of baseball. Yeah, no, look, that's one hundred percent right. Uh, in in the sense of look, I know there are people that that you know there and there are people that I hear from because of course I'm in the middle for those of you that that uh, would like to go to to my to my blog JoePosnansky.com, um I am in the middle of writing uh, I decided at some point there were it, it was I think 18 or 19 consecutive days where somebody in baseball had hit two home runs in a game so I said oh this is a crazy streak and and I'm going to write about this uh, every day until the streak is broken, that somebody's going to, you know, because it's a good opportunity to write about baseball and also the streak interests me and it's kind of crazy. Well, now I'm already sick of it, I, I, <laughs> I, you know, but but apparently it's never going to end because even before this podcast started, this is we we're doing this on a Wednesday afternoon and already two people have hit two home runs. So I know I'm going to have to <laughs> do it for tomorrow. I'm never going to get to stop. But but, you know, so I kind of want to explore this idea and I'm here from people that say, look, I love it. I love it. You know, the, it's uh, the home runs are home runs are great. They're fun to watch. Uh, we're seeing more of them than ever. You know, you, I, I, I understand you guys might want to be purists, but I don't care about that purity. I want to see the game. Uh, I like the home runs and, and, you know, it's sort of like the people that I always, I remember in the nineties and, and late eighties, just getting sick of the dunk, you know, sort of the same way mm-hmm. in basketball. I just got to like, all right, enough, you know, and every, every, uh, sports center, uh, highlight show was just 12 dunks and, and, you know, four guys in the audience high-fiving each other. That was basically all it was. And, and, and I was, you know, th- I thought that's kind of sick, but I think, I think that the difference is I, I, I don't, I understand that. And and everybody should enjoy baseball the way that they enjoy it. So if somebody enjoys home runs and, and they're living high this year, good for them. I, I, I have no beef with that at all but but here's what what you said and i think that's right the home run used to be hard it used to be when you saw a home run you knew you were seeing something pretty extraordinary and you probably weren't going to see more than one or two in a game from both teams from either team right you were and and there'd be plenty of games you would see where you wouldn't see any home runs and and you know and it was like that was that was the game and so when you saw somebody at home run that was likely to be the only home run you were going to see from your team that day and and you're like okay this is this is uh this is great and and if you ever saw somebody hit two home runs in a game i mean it was like well i'm never gonna forget this day i'm gonna remember this day for the rest of my life right (laughs) and 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 now it's not like that and and it's you know it's it it is it it is that that you know, where I I guess where people used to, where they said, okay, to teach my kid not to smoke, I'm going to have him smoke a whole carton of cigarettes in a closet or something, right? It's like, (laughs) it just feels like we're just getting overwhelmed with the home runs to the point where it's like, I don't get the same enjoyment out of it. And, and so that in a larger sense, that's how I feel about it. I, I think you're right. Strategically, you can't argue with it. It's the, it's the most, it's the most effective play, it's it's your best bet. You're you're you would be from a from a you know sort of a um from a sabermetric standpoint, but even from just a general even it's not like you have to go into any kind of deep numbers to get this. You it's worth striking out a couple of times to hit home run, right? I mean, it's worth that. This is the the hitters are making the right um calculations. I mean, they are The runs are way up this year. And that's because people are saying, uh, you know, the home runs are out there to be had. Uh, The ball is obviously bouncing. So we'll take the strikeouts. Strikeouts are up too. We'll take those because we're going to get the home runs. So you could depress the ball and, and make it so it's much harder to hit a home run. Um, But I don't know if hitters would be able to adjust. I think we would suddenly just see lots and lots of strikeouts, but just less home runs, which that wouldn't Mm -hmm. be great either. So, so, you know, so I think the game's in a real bind because of this. And I think it is, it's this bigger question. It's not a question of 2019 alone. It's a question of kids that are growing up watching this game. Uh, you know, how exciting is this to just go out there and just see home runs to the point where home runs are devalued, as you point out. You're not seeing balls in play as much. You're not seeing great defensive plays as much. You're not seeing uh, certainly, you know, people, why would you ever steal a base in 2019 ever like what what's the point I mean the chances the guy's gonna hit a single are no better than the chances he's gonna hit a home run why would you ever try to steal a base now and so so yeah I mean I think we are I think baseball's at a real crossroads in that way
0: yeah I mean I I think that you're gonna be writing about the two home run games until they (laughs) they change the ball back Honestly.
1: (laughs) So, so in the like 2023, I'll still be doing it every single day. I mean,
0: well, my hope, gosh, my hope is that they, they change the ball. I'm not saying make the ball dead. I'm just saying, make it the 2018 version of the ball. Like that ball was Mm -hmm. plenty bouncy without, you know, we were still seeing plenty of home runs. I'm not suggesting that, that, that I want to see another dead ball era. But I think right, there are right. all kinds of ramifications of problems from this. And what we're seeing, the most obvious thing, if you're just looking at results, is home runs. But it's impacting pitchers in other ways. You know, just the way that the, that the oh, 2017 ball, part of the problem was that the seams were different. And so, you know, you had pitchers getting blisters. Well, so now what's happened with this ball, because it's basically, and I know that everybody knows about this, but because it's so round, pitchers actually aren't getting the same break on their pitches that they used to right. get. And, and I think it's so slippery that it's harder for them to grip and harder for them to control, which is also why, and I wish I had this statistic in front of me, but I just don't remember where I saw it. I think we're also seeing like a highest number of hit by pitches and guys having broken wrists and like pitchers do not want to break other people's Wrists usually. I mean, if they're not on the Pittsburgh not. Pirates, anyway. Sorry, just a quick <laughs> Pittsburgh Pirates dig there. Um, uh, they, uh, but that—that is another result of the ball. And so, I mean, you know, since MLB has taken control of the ball, I think one thing I really hope is that we're not dealing with the same ball in 2020 that we are in 2019. Yeah, I hope
1: they. I mean, it. I think it's. I think it's a multi it's a multi-step process to sort of bring the game around and you know they've they've focused a lot on on time of game and really haven't gotten very far on that whole idea but but i mean that's at least something they've thought a lot about um and they're focusing on the ball now because they have to because everybody is well aware that the ball this year is is something you know and 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 uh, you know the baseball says it's it's, it's unintended consequences. And I suspect it is, I, I don't think baseball wanted it to ever get like this. Um, but, but I think it's a multi-step process to sort of bring the game. And, and, you know, I, I was talking, um, with the general manager in baseball and, and he was making this point that in order to know where the game needs to go, you need to sort of have a visualization in your mind of what you think the, the game looks like at its best. You know, you need to, you need to think how, okay, think about all of these things we're talking about. How many triples do you want in the game? How many stolen bases do you want in the game? How much, how many balls in play do you want in the game? I mean, how many strikeouts do you want? How many home runs do you want? And you you're not going to be able to, to create a game that matches all of those parameters, but at least what is sort of the vision for, for sort of the ideal spectator game. And try to start moving it a little bit more in that direction. And uh, I do think it's a it's a complicated uh, and and uh, and, and multi step process. I don't I don't think bringing the ball back uh, in any way is going to. It, it, the the worst thing that can happen is you depress the game to the point where they're scoring runs like they were in twenty fourteen, where it basically we did have sort of a second dead ball era there in 2014, mm-hmm. 2013. Uh, nobody was hitting, but now you're even more right. strikeouts, right? Because that that's not going backwards. So, um, so you would, you would literally go back to 68 if you, if you, if you did that. So, so it's, I don't know, Ellen, we, are we going to fix this game? Let's fix this game. How are we
0: gonna fix I don't it? I don't really know how to fix it. I, I have a like tinkering around the edges <laughs> kind of fix because that's the unfortunately probably the sort of person that I am. So I actually do sure. have an idea for, for a rule change. Which is okay. sort of two-pronged, and nobody agrees with me, but I'm, I'm going to venture okay. this out there right now, which is that I propose that after 12 innings of baseball, that the right. winner is decided by whichever team has produced more runs, not via the home run.
1: Oh, I see. Kind of like a, kind of like a, um, like a little tiebreaker type of thing. It seems like there's been something in other sports where there's sort of a little, like a little tiebreaker where they go, we go like, like sort of at the end of seasons where they're like, all right, well, they're tied. So we're going to go to goals for and goals yes. against or yeah. something like that. So. All right. So runs scored, not by home yes. run is what you want.
0: And, and my, my thought like is, it. you know, most teams don't go into a game thinking that they're going to play extra innings and like, usually they're right. Right. And, uh, sure. and it would, I mean, I love extra innings baseball. Um, even, even when it has, well, it, it depends. Like, the extra innings that the Phillies experienced last, I think it was Friday, <laughs> in which, like, you know, Roman Roman Quinn actually, despite, despite getting the loss, did pretty well as a pitcher in that game, having also, of course, sure. uh, hit a home run and stolen two bases. And Vince Velasquez sure. was a total hero. You know, sometimes I'm a little... Right. Um, I don't know. I just sort of question... Why Vince Velasquez is in the starting rotation and not Nick Pavetta? Just because Vince Velasquez really only has two pitches, it always seems to me like he's he really should be a bullpen person. And I think it's maybe just because he was part of a Matt Klentak trade, and so Klentak has more like skin in the game to be like, no, 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 this guy, we we're gonna totally win this trade. Still, so we're anyway. That's a t- that's a complete right, right. Dis- sidebar from my point which is that like there's <laughs> there's something that can be a little delightful about like super wacky 15 inning baseball but it's clear that the players are really tired it you know they and they get tired for days afterwards and I also feel like I'm in the minority of people who are still there after 15 innings, game being like, wee. Right. And there are all these other people like yelling at the players, like, get this over so we can go home, which is just makes me <laughs> like mad and laugh at the same time. Cause I'm like, nobody's making you stay here, dude. You know what I mean? The players have to stay here, but you can go home. Um, anyway, so I think that this, that the, the notion of ending the game after 12 innings, I think actually is maybe pretty popular. And I think that it's my, my other proposal, which I actually feel more strongly about would lightly incentivize producing runs via another method without like totally trying to overhaul the game and, you know, and, and worrying about the fact that all of a sudden we would just see a, you know, a a bunch of, balls dying at the warning track and players not learning to or not changing their approach keeping their same approach but changing the ball
1: see here's here's a question here's a question for you here's a question for you and and we need to get on because we 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 made ourselves a promise we were going to do this in an hour so uh i was skeptical for the record (laughs) we are we're not we're going to do it i know it i feel good um what if and this is this is wild nobody will agree with this it's too it's too radical it's too crazy. What if runs that did not score via home run counted for two runs? <gasps> and runs that all runs that scored by a home run scored counted as one run. Oh. How fundamentally would that change? They should be? try it in the Atlantic
0: League. That's my
1: they, Let's that's, try it in the Atlantic League. Exactly, like, Look if you had runners If you had runners on second and third, you would help your team more by hitting a single than by hitting a home run. And, and so that would be like a fundamental change, right? Because if you hit a single, you would score four runs, right? Two runs would score times two. If you hit the home run, it would only be three runs. That whole idea would fundamentally change baseball. It would change the incentives at the plate and, uh, and, and the fact that I just thought of this literally while we were talking does not tell you that I have put tremendous amount of, uh, of, uh, you know, intelligence into this, but, uh, but as I talk about it now, having thought about it for 15 seconds, my, I like it. I think it would yeah, totally change like, the game.
0: I also, I, my gut is, I, well, I'm just grinning from ear to ear, number one, like, and my gut is just like, <laughs> yes, yes, actually, I want that. It would be delightful.
1: That would be a totally delightful yeah. way to change the game. All right, we have to do a whole podcast yes, just on let's. that. When well, you'll come back and we'll just do literally just that, that thing because by then people will have like screamed at me on Twitter and blocked me and and it'll be great, you know. So we'll 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 have plenty to to discuss. I, All right, we 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 are going to our draft. Can um, I say but one last thing? We have to do our.
0: Okay, yes, so I just i I want to say all of my thoughts about the about the home run are with the proviso a little bit that for whatever reason, the Phillies have really been on the wrong side of the long ball on it for both their <laughs> pitching and their hitting this this year yes, and i and true. I understand that I think part of my like I might feel really differently if I were a twins fan, but since I'm a Phillies fan, I actually just sort of feel like the little Dickensian orphan, like looking at the people feasting inside, you know, while I put my like <laughs> nose and hands on the, on the frosty glass, just being like, wouldn't that be great yeah. to have all those home runs. Um, and, and it then it makes me mad. Cause I wish that the Phillies would hit more home runs. And then I feel like I'm just back in liking avocado toast land. Cause that's actually not what I want <laughs> even like, all I want is for the Phillies to win. <laughs> So this is a, I was just writing an an article about it. And so this was the truly horrifying thing that I, that I learned for myself, which is that the the Phillies run differential at this point in the season is minus 17, which is not great, but their home run alone run differential. That is the home runs that their pitching staff has allowed versus the home runs that they have hit is minus 41. So like,
1: Oh yeah. 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 Well, they're, they're dead last in home runs last. They're not so that's dead last. Thing. The and, Orioles and, and the
0: Mariners and, and are, oh, in the national league. Yes. No, no, in the Like, league, yeah. it, yes, they're dead last yeah. in the national league, but, but like even when you include all 30 teams, they're they're Yeah. So I, it all, yeah, it's I, I think that's anyway, that's just the, that's a little asterisk that I wanted to put on like home runs make me sad that's, is like, remember, I'm a Phillies fan. So,
1: as well, you should, but I I don't believe it would fundamentally change your viewpoint if the Phillies were were mashing home runs. Of course, you'd be super duper happy, but I still think you would be looking around the game. Yeah, and going, this is ridiculous. You, this is not that's not the same. And again, the thing is, we're saying this. We're both gigantic baseball fans, and will be no matter what the game does. Like they yep. can't lose us. you know. So so we're saying this from from. From a place of love, the game is is going to always be, for me, you know, and for you, it's always going to be this, like, incredibly, incredibly wonderful thing, no matter what they do to it. It's just, you know, the, the home run thing, is it's a bit much. It's a bit much right now. All right, we need to go to our draft, but before we do that, we have to do a Yankee Minute. Yeah! This is going to be the first Yankee minute that is going to be sixty seconds, and it is a simple question for you. I'm going to give you the numbers, and and then you are going to respond uh, because we both believe that the Yankees uh, are um, witches. They 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 literally are witches. They, literally, I'm <laughs> going to use the word literally. Like they're literally witches. They are. Uh, they they are they are guided by black magic, and and the proof is is very simply. Gio Urshela is hitting 314 with a 522 slugging percentage. Um Mike the 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 aforementioned Mike Talkman uh is hitting 299, slugging 563 uh and is coming off a game where he basically had a Mike Trout game where he had a homer, a double, stole a base and made a, a ridiculous <sighs> catch in the outfield. Um DJ LeMayhew... This one really blows my mind. I've mentioned it to some other people, and they're like, they haven't really, you know, because DJ Lemayo has been a good player. Uh, DJ Lemayo is having pretty much by far his best offensive season ever, and the guy played at Coors yes. Field his entire career, so he left crazy psycho Coors Field, went to Yankee Stadium, and is having the best season of his life. Pure numbers, having the best season of his life. Um, so my question for you is, uh, how do we how do we endure? How, how do we, how do we endure? Because eventually like their real players are going to come back uh, and all of these players are going to turn back into pumpkins <laughs> and, and it's all going to be forgotten. Um, but, but for, for now it's, it's, it's beyond maddening. What, what do we do? What can we do as Yankee haters?
0: Oh, I, I, I don't know. Um I think the only thing that I, I also want to give in, I feel like the only person that you maybe missed was Cameron Mabin, who I think everybody was like, oh, oh yeah, Cameron Mabin is like useful, and so are these like packets of ketchup. But like, <laughs> but not suddenly, he's, you know, a Yankee and he's quite useful. Um yeah, he's also having one of yeah. one of yeah, his better seasons. It's yeah. so infuriating. And I think the thing that's the most infuriating is that it seems to back up a sort of Yankee fandom idea that like all you need to do is put on the pinstripes and then you're just automatically better. Right. So, the one thing that I can maybe say to this is the one thing that actually makes me really sad, um which is okay. well the thing that's closest to making me sad because it's also perhaps the one tiny glimmer of hope that we may have, which is that putting on pinstripes doesn't seem to work for Yankees starting pitching. And this is sad for me because like I have loved James Paxton in my life, um, but now he's dead to me. So, uh, So that that's sad. Like I mourn the loss of James Paxton, Um, but he's not been great. And Jay Happ clearly hasn't worked out. And so like maybe, you know, maybe their devil magic only extends to um, to hitters and not to pitchers. And the Astros are hoarding all of the if not devil magic, the like analytical magic for pitching. At least the Yankees, at least yes. the Yankees well, they're, don't they're, also have they, that is maybe what I can say.
1: But it but of course then when the playoffs come around and James Paxton throws eight innings of two-hit shutout baseball. Um we'll see. But of course their their bullpen is so good. But you are right. The one sort of glimmer of hope is this team gives up home runs. Big time, big, big, big time gives up. I mean, they're one of the worst. In in the the American League uh, and in baseball in in home runs allowed, uh, they are giving up bombs. They're going to set a team record for most home runs uh, given up. Uh, so that is, and they're and they will probably at some point have to play the Twins, who hit a ton of home runs. But of course, they're also going to play the Twins, who they have a like a ninety nine yeah. two record it's against really in the tragic. last fifty years they just own the twins it's it's very tragic so all right well we've offered no hope there but we have to go on to our draft uh and we are drafting uh baseball stats we're we're going to make this a full-fledged baseball podcast uh we are drafting baseball
0: stats uh very exciting and you get the first pick thank you for for giving me the first pick and i'm going to take this advantage oh, nice. because as i think i told you um, since being on the podcast last time, I like this so much that now this is a game that my husband and I play, where we'll <laughs> yes. just draft, you know, like cuisines of the world or dog breeds or something like that. So I'm I, i I'm a little bit better at the strategy of this than I was last time.
1: Oh, and you dominated last time, so that's not good for oh,
0: me. Well, I, I – I don't know about that. <laughs> also, also, like I had other advantages of, you know, having done like 40 Shakespeare plays. That's an exaggeration, yes. not 40, um, like 25. So um, I, I thought hard about this and I can't not take war for my first, okay. Okay. Um, my first stat, war. partly because it is, it is a, you know, duo directional stat that if we're drafting five things and I was thinking about, I want to have a balanced draft of like pitching stats and hitting stats. Sure. I feel like war obviously works both ways. And there's no, there's yep. no other real, I mean, I, yes, there, are, there are incredibly close stats, but they're basically also just war. Um, so there's, <laughs> there's not something else that I, that I feel like I could take later in the draft and replace the hole that I would have for not having war.
1: Not having war. So and what is it that you love about war?
0: Well, I mean, I think the same thing that everybody loves about war is that it enables us to see all of of a player's contributions in one tidy little number. And that it allows us to to weigh that player versus other players, you know what I mean? So that we can we can chart Mike Trout, you know getting a career war more than many hall of famers, even though he's only 28 years old. Like that's not unfun to watch. It's a great, it's a great thing. It's
1: an absolutely great thing. It's always good to have like the one number thing. My, my problem with war uh, is that it is overused for, I think things that it was not intended to be used for. Right. And of course with many, Multiple different ways that you can do war. FanGraphs War is quite different from Baseball Reference War. Entirely different for pitching. Um, so so that's my you know that the that I, I love War, but but I think you took yourself sort of a a little bit of a flawed superstar there. You know somebody who you you kind of Bryce Harper. I, I'm not saying you I'm not saying you signed Bryce Harper, but but you might have signed Bryce Harper. But it's still an excellent pick, excellent excellent choice. All right, I am going. Um, Uh, to, to take, I'm actually, I'm going with a little bit of a different strategy. I'm actually going to try to, to go all around the horn with this. And, and I'm going to take the, the, uh, statistics that have completely, uh, changed the way I watch the game. Mm. That is sort of my strategy, which is not necessarily the right strategy, but it is the strategy I'm going to take. And so for my first pick, I am going to actually take, um, BABIP as my first pick. Yeah. So here's, here's BABIP is batting average on balls and play. It's not, it's, it's not a great stat. Like you wouldn't look at somebody's BABIP to determine what kind of player they are. So from that perspective, it's, it's useless.
0: Well, Um, you, you might, it would teach you something if you had their career BABIP, you would be like, oh, either they're super fast and they, you know, leg out balls and play or they hit the ball really hard. And that's why they have a high BABIP. Like it's not. Yeah. That's true. That's
1: true. It's not completely useless, but it's not the first stat I would look at or the second or the 10th or anything like that. Uh, but Babbitt both for hitters and pitchers is a mind bending way to look at the game. And, and this is, I've written about this at, at some length, but before we ever really thought about batting average on balls and play before that ever happened, you just sort of had this one, sort of very straight view of the game. And the view was that pitchers had tremendous control over everything that happened uh, on the defensive side. um, And that hitters, um, you know, basically controlled, you know, because of their bat control and whatever else could hit them where they ain't and all that sort of thing. And, and what BABIP has, has, has shown, uh, and, and especially the more closely you look at it is that pitchers certainly have tremendously less control. I don't know if they have no control. That's a that's an argument, but very little control over balls that are actually in play. They they have tremendous control on strikeouts and walks and and home runs, um, but balls in play, there's there are all kinds of other things that affect it: luck and defense and the wind and the kind of ballpark they're pitching in, uh, and somewhat true. For hitters as well, that you know, and the hitters have known that forever about hitting into bad luck and and so on and so forth. So, by looking at batting average on balls and play, uh, you are able to really sort of break down what kind of pitcher, what kind of hitter you're seeing. You know, you're seeing a hitter that is that is that is just absolutely going crazy, and then you look at their batting average on balls and play, and it's four hundred. And you go, that's probably not sustainable, right? So that person is probably going to fall off. Same thing with a pitcher. If you see a pitcher who's doing incredibly well, and then you look at their uh, you know, batting average on ball and play, and it's down at 210, you go, yeah, it's probably not sustainable. So there's all kinds of things that you can do with it. So it's a, in and of itself as a statistic, it's fine. But in the way it sort of bends your mind and thinking about the game, uh, it has completely changed the way I look at baseball. So I'm, I am, and I love saying Babbitt. Babbitt is BABIP really is fun.
0: The, yes.
1: It's a fun it's thing a to fun say. Thing. So, so that is going to be my first be- pick, Babbitt.
0: And I, and I think it is a really excellent pick. And I, uh, had, had strongly considered taking it later on in the draft. So you're, you're mm-hmm. changing my draft board a little bit, but I I, <laughs> excellent. I feel like I've, I, I uh, completely agree with, um, with everything that it definitely changed the way that I look at the game. But I feel like I even look at BABIP a little bit differently than I did a couple of years ago, mostly just because I feel like we've learned that actually, you know, players can sustain a very hitters can sustain a high BABIP or pitchers can sustain a low BABIP. And that actually does have something to do with something that they control. So sure. um, sure. Yeah. I think think right now that also makes it more fun to me.
1: I think so yeah. too. I think so too. I think, I think that when we had it, it as black and white and, you know, and, and in some ways there, you know, some people still look at it as black and white, but I mean, you look at, at the, what, what does, you know, fan does with their war is basically they build for pitchers. It's all built around walks, strikeouts and home runs. It's, it, it, it's essentially throwing Babbitt to the defense. Um, and, and that's fine. But but I think it was it's never been quite that black and white. And you're right there there are some players. I mean Miguel Cabrera for years had a an enormous batting average on balls in play because he hit rockets, just absolutely hit rockets. And and so that does tell you how hard people hit the ball, and it does tell you you know some things about pitchers as well. It's a it's a great it's a great stat because it's always been there. It's always been potentially very easy for people to figure out. But it was really only about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that anybody really started to look at at the ramifications. And that's what makes it cool, I think.
0: I agree. Excellent. An excellent choice. Excellent. Oh, well, thank you. So for my second pick, um, I am going to take uh, – I'm just such a nerd with most of these choices. I'm going to take weighted on base average. I just well, sure, WOBA. love weighted on base average. I think it is, I mean, you know, like OPS is also useful, but, you know, WOBA is better um, because, uh, you know, a double isn't necessarily twice as good as a single. Uh, so sure. I think it really, um, and I also like the fact that it is sort of graded on the scale that we recognize, you know, so though I like things like WRC Plus and it is very WRC Plus is very easy to read. It like right. I, it feels farther away from old timey baseball stats. And so I feel that's why I love it less. Also, one of my absolute favorite cheers that I will inevitably yell at any baseball game that I attend is <laughs> and this is usually like when there are batters on base and two outs, I will yell. Don't be a hero. Just do anything that will positively affect your weighted on base average. <laughs> and it
1: uh, it's 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 it rhymes. It's 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 uh, it's musical. I mean, of
0: course. <laughs> oh, oh, thank yeah. you for that positive spin on it. But it always makes people around me laugh, which is really one of the reasons also why I cheer. Um,
1: I love it. Yes. So. But you don't call it WOBA. I don't. You won't jump into the oh WOBA is so good. I, it's so oh, good. Yeah. I will Tom Tango, who invented it, has, has given me full 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 ability to call it WOBA if I want to.
0: I sometimes I call it Woba, but in that cheer, the goal is for it to be as long and unwieldy as possible. Oh yes. Oh so, yes. yeah.
1: No, in the cheer the cheer would never, you would never say, "woba," but, but in general, like in, in what, like, it's a great statistic. It really is. And for those that are unfamiliar with it, it is, it is essentially weighted uh, to um, well, it's, it's, you know, it's using linear linear weights, So it's giving, instead of one base uh, uh, for a single or, 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 you know, it's, it's worked, it's based on runs uh, produced. And, and so, you know, so it's, it's, you know, something, for a single, it's weighted number for a double, triple homer, and then there's all sorts of uh, but also adjustments. A block
0: and, a, and a hit by pitch are also part of the calculation.
1: Of course, yeah, everything is a part of the calculation, and then they weight it uh, where well, they do it in such a way so that it, it matches up with on base percentage. So if somebody, essentially, so if somebody has a three, what is, I think average is 330. Is that right? I was going to say or,
0: 320, but yes, that is the, that is the general. It's something yeah.
1: like 320 is that, and 400 is otherworldly and and that's sort of the idea. So uh, great pick, great pick. Um, with my second pick, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily, cause you're picking the numbers that I end up looking at the most and end up using the most, and you're going to, so yours will be more useful. Uh, and I'm picking more the, the the numbers that have sort of shaped me as a baseball fan. Uh, so for my second pick, I'm going to choose the Bill James classic runs created. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, there's runs created now is is a uh, it's a much more advanced stat, and it's great. But I I like the original stat. So. So when I was growing up in baseball, of course, the only thing that mattered was batting average. And then if you had to go beyond batting average, you went to home runs and RBIs, and that was it. And those were the three, the only three things you would ever hear about. And then this guy, Bill James, comes along, and he basically says, why do we care about batting average? The team that leads the league in batting average – isn't the best team isn't the best offense and you know there there's there's a very very there's some correlation between batting average and runs but it's but it's pretty small and why do we look at this stat why does this stat matter to us we, your your goal is not to lead the league in in batting average your goal is to lead the league in runs and so he wanted to figure out a way to uh, find uh runs and and be able to to use the numbers to uh to 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 determine you know, to give you an estimate of how many runs they should score based on these numbers. And what he ended up doing was he, 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 you know, built a, a very, now you look at it, it's a very simple formula. At the time it was somewhat complicated, but what it actually ends up being is batting. I mean, excuse me, on base percentage times slugging percentage divided by plate appearances. This is essentially what it is. It's, it's, it's a little bit, it doesn't exactly add up that way, but it's pretty close. And that was a brilliant. I mean, he did this in 1978 or 79. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's just you know that's visionary. It's, it's it's a completely visionary way to look at the game, and it still kind of works. It's there. We have much better things now than than basic runs created, and and there are problems with it. But more, or most of the time, if you do even the most basic runs created formula, you will usually get within two or three mm-hmm. percent of the actual run scored, which is, you know, a pretty good, pretty good matchup. So, um, so it's a pretty great stat. And it got me to think about the game again in a completely different way where, you know, I grew up like everybody else thinking that it's all about batting average and RBIs. And, and here was somebody saying, no, what you really want is, is something that tells you how you score runs and the way you score runs is by getting on base and then, and then moving people across the bases and, uh, it was, it was, for me, it was mind blowing. And, uh, and so that's why I'm taking it. run. Screen. I think
0: it's another really good choice. I'm, I'm pretty sure you're going to win this draft. Cause I think you just had a better way of, of going in and thinking about it.
1: No, you're picking better. You're taking better stats. I just, yeah, that's, I just, that's, that's, I was sort
0: of like what, you know, like if I could only for some reason look at five stats right. for the rest of my life, which ones would, well,
1: I and that's the much smarter way to do it. <laughs> I just happen to take the more literary way. So I'm trying to cheat yeah,
0: that no, way. I think, that's I, think all I think it's better. <laughs> I think it's better. All right. Your so third So my third pick, I am going to pick defensive run saved. Um mm,
1: very good. Uh, yeah,
0: I it's in some ways it's like maybe my favorite stat, but I'm I'm slightly better at this game than I was before, so I know now to not necessarily take my favorite at number 1 if I think I can maybe get my favorite <laughs> later in the draft.
1: And, you do want to – you want to get value Yeah, from your And, picks. The, and, and the
0: calculus here was a little bit like should you take defensive run saved, I could at least take ultimate zone rating because um, I like them both. Sure. But I slightly prefer defensive run saved. It's just as somebody who loves defense as much as I do, it's been such a delight slash relief to have a defensive number that I can look at that actually contains information um, versus, you know, what – you know, fielding percentage or errors or any number of the of the old timey stats that we have associated with defense.
1: It's it's a it's a great pick. It's you know John Dewan is the is the guy behind uh, uh, not just defensive run save but but really you know the plus minus and all of the other things uh, that so many of the advances in defensive the way we look at defense. He was a guy that um, essentially broke it down and said we need to start over. We need to start over, and and he got a bunch of guys together. Uh, not just guys, but everybody together. There probably was a bunch them, of guys. Like, let's be
0: honest.
1: I think he, I think there was not. I think I think he had. I think he had a couple of women in in the group. I I, I believe. I I'm well. not offended. Um, nor nor should you be. I hope. Um, and they had him watch every play, literally every play, and mark it on the screen. And and you know this is how they started off. I mean, obviously they have much more. Uh, advanced ways of doing it now but they would watch every play on the screen mark it off where the ball was and estimate how fast it was going and see who made those plays and 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 then if they made the play they would they would say okay did, would the average shortstop have made that play uh and they figured out you know how how much you know they they put worth to everything and it was it was a really they broke it down to its very basics and, and came up with, uh, with defensive run save, which is a, a wonderful stat. I'm going to counter your, your pick uh, again with something that's not as good as defensive run save, but it is a really fun thing to do. If you're, if you're somebody who kind of likes numbers and, and, and you just want to, to do something, this was, this was taught to me by, um, by by uh, Tom Tango uh which is by the way not his real name. Um but Tom Tom is is uh one of the one of the true visionaries of baseball uh analysis uh and and a and a great friend and he he person, he, it is very true. Yes, oh just couldn't couldn't be a better guy. And uh, and sort of introduced us. So there you go. Um but he said he he said here's a simple way to do it. Here's a simple way to to figure out somebody's defensive things go to their range factor which is an invention of uh of bill james which is just basically all it is is how many balls they get to uh essentially Mm. so look at their range factor per nine and then look at the league range factor per nine so all of this is available on on baseball reference you just go so right now for instance i'm looking at brett gardner okay so in 2000 (laughs) Uh, cause it, that just happened. Cause I, cause I was trying to get away from Mike Talkman, and then Brett Garner just popped yeah. up. So, so Mike, uh, so Brett Garner in 2011 had a 2.37 range factor per nine. He got to 2.37 balls per nine innings. The league range factor for a left fielder, uh, um, was 2.13. So, so basically what you do is you subtract 2.34, uh, subtract 2.13. So you subtract and you end up with whatever 0.23, and then you just multiply that by innings uh, divided by nine. As, I mean, I, this—it's much easier than I'm making it sound. If you see it on paper, it's very no. Easy. Actually, it, you're just subtracting.
0: I'm following very it, easily. so it must be easy, <laughs> right?
1: Well, there you go. So all you're doing is subtracting your his range factor, which is you know minus the league range factor, and then you're multiplying it by innings divided by nine because that tells you uh, because it's range factor per nine. That's why you do it. So you do that, and you will determine how many more plays that person made than the average uh, left fielder. And that's it. And it's the simplest thing in the world. And of course, if his range factor is less than the league range factor, then it'll figure how many less plays that that person makes than the average. And it's not perfect. I mean, you know, there, we, we, we all know the difficulties of, of measuring defense, you know, pitchers, you know, lefty pitchers and righty pitchers uh, the balls go a different way. If you're a left fielder with a a lot of lefty pitchers, you're going to, you're going to get more balls than if you're a, you know, face with righty pitcher um, so on and so on and so on. There's, there, there are many, many complexities, but as an overall it's pretty great. And I use it all the time. I just, all the time. I just want to see, I don't, you know, I look at defensive rain, run saved and, and the numbers that are there for me, but then just for my own sort of, you know, I want to dive into the game a little bit. I look and say, oh, what's the range factor per nine. And then what's the league range factor. And, and then just figure out, Hey, they made 25 more plays than the average left fielder, or shortstop or whatever the case may be. And uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a back of the envelope way to to, to determine somebody's uh, defensive skills, and uh, and I love it. So I, I think it's
0: really great. I'm smiling from ear to ear the same way that I was when you suggested that every <laughs> every run score every run that was not produced by home run should count for two. I like it. I there like you go. It a lot. Perfect. Yeah. All right,
1: your fourth so
0: pick at this point in the draft, I need a pitching stat. Um, Because, you you know, war encompasses both. And then I I basically I have I have a batting statistic and I have a defensive statistic. And I really uh, I struggled over this, but also kind of wanting one statistic, if I'm thinking about it being kind of well-rounded in all ways. One statistic that's not like super newfangled. I decided to go with whip here. I, like I really, it. I, I've I like always, it. I've always liked whip. I've always thought that it's like more instructive to me than somebody's ERA, Um, which is of course why we have FIP and XFIP and Sierra and so on. And I love all of those as well, but I think I just wanted somebody in my draft that was a little bit more old school, you know, I, I wanted like a Old veteran tool. presence is what I'm here to say. I wanted a veteran <laughs> presence. You
1: know. well, Batting average was out there as a grizzled veteran, just looking for a job and, and you just look right, right. past just look right. Yeah. Past I
0: mean, I'm sorry. Like I'm an NL team and I don't have a DH. So what can they do?
1: Whip is, whip is walks and hits divided by innings pitched. Uh, as I'm sure everybody knows the great thing about whip. My favorite thing about whip is that um, there is a round number that is awesome. And look, that's that's silly, you know. But but unquestionably, a huge part of batting average's success was the fact that 300 was there, right? right? Like if, if 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 the if a really good batting average had been 278, it would not have been. It would not have worked, you know. See, so need you needed like a number. So the fact that you, a 1.000 WHIP is outstanding. I mean, like legendary, you know, certainly for a career, that was, that was Mariano Rivera's whip. So, so, you know, you, you're talking about legendary. So the closer you can get to that really 1.00 and then of course you see certain pitchers that are insane and, and end up with like an 889 whip, you know, point eight zero point eight eight nine or something like that. And they're, they're it's otherworldly, insane, yeah. but, but the, the fact that there's a 1.00 whip is is good and so i can like be looking on 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 my baseball reference i am and i can see hector neris and i can say hey look hector Naris's whip is 1.028 very close to that ideal 1.000 whip and i can think oh hector neris is having a pretty good year and then you look at his era and you're like oh no like, he isn't yeah. having that good a year um but he's a good but, but I, trust, I trust you know what i mean I trust whip yep. more. Just I trust whip more than I do his I do, especially
0: for relievers. Yes. Especially.
1: Yes. For relievers. Well,
0: as long as we're talking about my cheering, I don't heckle very often. But when I do, sometimes if the opposing team trots out a reliever with some truly like horrendous whip, I will yell like, "Your whip is yep. pathetic for a reliever." <laughs> um, so. You know what? Am I? It's another stat I just really enjoy looking at. Yeah.
1: Well, that's, that's really, that's really good. You know, one of my favorite heckles of all time. Um, And I think this happened in, in the, I'm gonna say it happened in the late 1980s, early 90s, or something like that. But um, so in in Stratomatic Baseball, which you do you play? Have you ever played Stratomatic Baseball? Is that is that? I a... have
0: never played Stratomatic right. Baseball. Well, I,
1: I will I will come to to you and with a Stratomatic Baseball game, and we will play Stratomatic Baseball so that you can you can fully. Uh, appreciate stratomatic baseball cuz it is wonderful but one of the great things about stratomatic baseball is that they rate the fielders on on a scale essentially a scale like 1 is the best like 1 is your you're an elite fielder and then um uh and then you know 2 is your you're you're a very good fielder 3 is your um you're like uh you're not very good but you're you're okay 4 you're a dud You're an absolute dud in the field, and every now and again, and this was like the cruelest, the cruelest of things. But every now and again, they would give a five to somebody. Like you had to be, you had to be so unbelievably terrible um, to get a five. But but it could happen. You could you could get one if if uh, if you were so dreadful in the field. And there was a
0: player, (laughs) Frazier. Oh, I, I'm not. I just, saying. I, I feel like I, I have to, I have to work in all the Yankees digs uh, wherever <laughs> I can, just because so, of the state of the universe right now.
1: So I'm not going to name the name of, of the outfielder because, uh, frankly, uh, I, I don't remember it. Um, but, but. I remember that – so he went out to, to the field, and I guess he was a Stratomatic player. So this – this uh, actually, I will name it. it. It was Greg Jeffries. And so Greg Jeffries was playing in in the outfield, which was always a mistake whenever they put poor poor Greg <laughs> Jeffries in the outfield. Um, and I think he was on the Phillies at the time. So I, that's sort of why I didn't really want to mention it, but now I'm just – I'm going oh. for it and people started chanting you're a five you're a five um to him and he he had played for the so he knew what they meant and and uh to his everlasting credit uh got a huge kick out of it like really enjoyed the, that chant like if you're going to get oh. yeah if you're going to it spoke very well of him it did not speak well of him uh as an outfielder uh at all and and he was not yeah nor nor, nor necessarily
0: a Philadelphia fan but that's <laughs> not anything <laughs>
1: yeah it was not uh well no actually i think it's a i think that speaks very well for the philly fans that it, it, to, to have to know that he was a five which he was and and to be able to chant it at him i think was was pretty impressive pretty impressive so
0: at least informed yes all
1: right my fourth pick i'm just gonna go with we, we're, we're, we are we've blown the one hour we haven't even come close um
0: I, I, yep. as you knew we
1: wouldn't we come on we can't
0: I don't. I didn't want to say it that we, I'm right, we
1: but can't honestly. get to. Yeah, you're right. You're 100 percent right. All right, with my with my fourth pick, I'm also going to take a baseball stat, and I'm going to take one that's not a great stat. It's not one that I use a lot, but again, I it is one that 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 sort of changed the way I look at the game, uh, and that is ERA plus. And and I'm and it's the mm. same thing really with uh, OPS plus, um, any of the pluses, even RC plus or whatever. That notion of adjusting. Well, in this particular case, ERA. Adjusting ERA for ballpark for the league average ERA, uh, so that you could actually see something. So that so that when you looked at Sandy Koufax's one point whatever ERA, and you looked at Greg Maddox's two point five ERA, you could actually look at it in the context of where they played, the time they played in one number. Like that notion, that ability to be able to do that in one number like that. Because uh, as, as I'm sure everybody knows, uh, when you're dealing with the pluses, especially with ERA plus, um, you are 100 is average, league average. And then every number above uh, 100, and this is controversial. A lot of people think with ERA, it should be ERA minus, right? It should be like the lower the number, the better. Like ERA, uh, I know that's how Fangraphs does it. But but the way Baseball Reference does it, every number over 100 is... Is a percentage point better than league average. So if somebody's a 135 ERA plus, that means their ERA is 35% better than the league average. If somebody's a 200 ERA plus, that means their ERA is basically twice as good as the league average, and so on and so on. Um, again, many, many limitations to the stat. And I would not use it like, you know, on a, I use it some, but I wouldn't use it like that regularly. Um, but um, that concept, is, is is again changes the way you look at the game where you realize these numbers, um, they're not permanent. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and this was something I was looking at this year, you have a four or five ERA, uh, this year, it's not very good. So that's, that's, that's league average or less. Uh, but you had a four or five ERA, um, you know, in, in another year, uh, 2014, It's horrendous. It's like you're you're not even good enough to be in baseball, kind of thing. Um, Yeah. And then if you had it in nineteen, you know, in nineteen, well, I mean, this year is basically, but in two thousand, that's better than league average. So you know, it's it's really interesting how how that that plays on your mind and how you think about the game. So that's why I like it.
0: Totally. No, another another great choice, and and like some of the reason why I. I prevaricate. Sorry, there's a thunderstorm here. I'm sorry if you heard that. It
1: does sound. That sounds terrible. Get in. Get this is the worst time for you to be doing something electronic.
0: <laughs> oh, I think I'm okay. <laughs> um, but I'm just, I apologize for the noise. Um, uh, yes, this is one of the reasons why. Uh, despite the fact that I I don't just want everything in baseball to become a war leaderboard, I still had to pick war first. Of course, of course. Because it's one one number to look at, you know, throughout all time. Absolutely. All right, your fifth and final pick. Okay, so again, uh, I decided that I wanted to go with another pitching stat. Okay. Um, And I – thought of, about m- many different stats, but ultimately have landed on a strikeout minus walks. Oh, I, li- I like it. Yes. Um, just because, obviously, like, for a pitcher, the strikeout percentage is better than K per nine, even though we see K per nine um, more often. Sure. Uh, just because you can strike out all three batters in an inning, but also allow a bunch of runs. And so in that case, your K per nine would still look great, but your K percentage would reflect more strongly what you uh, as a a pitcher could do. Um, And I very much felt like I could try to cram as many stats into one as possible by doing, I actually enjoy saying K minus BB, um, (laughs) by doing K minus BB, Uh, because then that also teaches you not only how good are you at striking people out, but how good are you at not allowing walks?
1: It's, it's, it's an excellent stat and it's, and it's a stat that has become so much more. Um, the, the players are so much better at it. You know, it used to be if you had a two to one strikeout, uh, to walk ratio, um, it's pretty good. You know, that that used to be pretty good. In fact, it would, in some cases it was very good. I I remember looking it up. I actually should look it up now that Jim Palmer's strikeout to walk ratio was like not great. It was sort of, it was, you know, but he was great and it was just a different time. It was just a a different, a different time when, when you weren't really going for strikeouts. Yeah. 1.69 strikeout to walk ratio. So well less than two, Um, but he was still, you know, still, terrific and and now you couldn't do that you know now you yes. know you need a three a four to one strike out to, to to be among the league leaders and be among the best in the game so it is um i think it's a great pick i think it's a great pick all right so it's my time for the last for my <laughs> last pick. oh yeah it's fantastic all right so my time is is for my last pick and so i am going to go for something a little bit a little bit quirkier um So one of the things I love doing and I think a lot of baseball fans do is going to fan graphs and just sort of geeking out on, on their many, many, uh, you know, things that you can do. And especially for me, I love looking at uh, some of their batted ball stuff. Um, I love looking at, uh, at, uh, you know, for pitchers, I love looking at uh, pitch type and, and, and how effective they are with each pitch. And, you know, you can see all kinds of, amazing stuff uh when you when you look at them uh but for me uh one of the things i really like looking at uh and it's really two stats is um swing percentage uh inside the zone and swing percentage outside of the zone and and you know they're just they've anything that you go with plate discipline so they basically have if you go to to fan graphs i'm looking right now at uh, the delightful but still injured andrew mccutcheon Um, so you look, you look at his O swing percentage, which is outside, uh, swinging at pitches outside the zone His Z swing percentage, which is percentage swinging inside the zone. And then you can see this contact in both things, you know, his contact in outside the zone and his contact inside the zone. And what's so cool about it is the more you study it, the more you realize the higher the number isn't necessarily the better the number, like a contact percentage outside the zone is probably not good. It's you know it's yeah, it's like, it's like oh he,
0: weak contact. it's yeah. gonna be
1: weak contact for the most part so so you you'll see guys you're like wow he's 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 making a lot more contact outside the zone that seems great and then you look and you're like actually that was terrible you don't want that at all especially if you're swinging a lot at pitches outside the zone so um, so I like all of those I, and and it's not one stat and I'm probably cheating a little bit but all of the all of the swinging and making contact inside and outside the zone. Um, and, and then, you know, some of the foul strike percentage, like what percentage of time you foul the ball off all of that plate discipline, batted ball stuff that you see on fan graphs. Um, I could spend hours just looking at that stuff. I love it.
0: Yeah. I thought hard about for my last pick, taking swinging strike rate, which I love. It's great. Or take, it's great. taking hard hit rate and, and Ooh, yeah. sort of wondering if I could fudge hard hit rate into being like, I'll take it for both pitchers and batters. Sure. Um, but I wasn't sure if that would be cheating. Um, yeah,
1: there is no cheating because there are no rules here. <laughs> Tango is going to be very mad at us that neither one of us took barrels, uh, which is the really cool oh, stat true. cast. Yeah, the really cool stat cast stat. Um, that, I took uh, Woba. You took Woba. Yeah, Tom should, should be happy with that. But for those of you who are interested, uh, you could go to Baseball Savant, um, which is the stat cast uh, sort of uh, home base. All kinds of amazing stuff that you can see there, including barrel percentage. Barrels being the 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 hardest hit balls uh, at the best at the most optimum uh, launch angles, and what percentage of the time uh, guys uh, do that. How often they hit barrels um, is you know that's that's a pretty good way to determine how good a hitter they are is how what their barrel percentage is. So. Excellent excellent uh, numbers all throughout the game it's it's one of the things that uh, makes baseball what it is. So very good we're, you know what we're gonna we're not gonna make an hour but we're gonna make an hour and a half which is which is uh, I, I feel like a little bit of a moral victory. but before we go yes. we have to do we have to do one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless Kids. thing.
0: About sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, more Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast whoa, it's one last whoa. Meaningless
1: thing. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first?
0: first yes all right I think uh so I was I was gonna say something else but given my off the cuff um dig at avocado toast (laughs) I feel like it's only fair that I I say that I am a a basic bee uh in in other ways in other things that I like um I I do just really like pumpkin flavored things I know that's lame, but I do. And what I have felt about that recently um, that has brought this to mind is that I really love poke. Wow. And every, like, there is a poke place on every corner in New York (laughs) now. And I really love it, and I'm glad that they're providing me this service, but also there's, it makes me it doesn't make me feel like I like something that's cool anymore. It makes me feel like I I like something that is that is oversaturating the market. It makes me feel like I like home runs, basically. Um, and an observation that I have made is that years ago, uh, like when I moved to New York, what occupied every single corner was a frozen yogurt place. Sure. In in the sort of like 16 handles or in the pink berry mode. Right. And the the once great hordes of frozen y- yogurt shops that thundered across the plains of New York city are, are now decimated because I think they've all become poke places instead. Wow. And I also love, I love frozen yogurt because I'm super basic <laughs> and have no imagination and I sort of wish I have long in my life constructed this idea of the insignificant wish fairy that yep. is like, you can't wish for a million dollars or for world peace or whatever. You have to wish for something that actually doesn't really matter. So I would call upon the insignificant wish fairy to wave a wand and change half of the poke shops back to frozen yogurt. Ah, places. you feel like- because- it's
1: overdone. It's we're, 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 we've it, over. It's a little
0: overdone, and also there's a paucity of frozen yogurt places now. When I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I want a frozen yogurt, I will Google where can I get a frozen yogurt in New York, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm not walking four avenues over. <laughs> so,
1: so you want to you want to scale back? You want to scale back time? and And just turn forty two percent of the poke places into into frozen yogurt places
0: forty two percent would be fine. It doesn't have to be a full fifty okay. percent. even even honestly, like even thirty percent would be fine.
1: Wow. Yes. all right. that's that is truly meaningless and 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 excellent <laughs> in 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 all ways. and and uh, and and I love it. Um my one less meaningless thing is 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 I don't think it's it's less it's more meaningless than what you said. But so I was looking around my, my office, uh, today. And I was realizing that I have a lot, like a lot of peanuts stuff, like, like Charlie Brown, <laughs> peanut stuff, like lots of it. Like, like, uh, I'm looking at like a couple of stuffed Snoopy dolls and, 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 uh, like, uh, one of those, uh, Charlie Brown, um, like music boxes and, and, uh, and, and, uh, um. Lots and lots of books and and everything else and and I like peanuts quite a bit i i, I I'm a fan of peanuts love peanuts., uh, but if you came into this office, you would think I was a peanuts crazy person, right? that you would think <laughs> that i that's all I cared about. like I literally spent nothing day and night thinking about peanuts and and I realized as I was looking around this room, I have bought exactly zero of these things. Like literally not one thing that is peanuts related in this room I have bought. And, and which means they've all been gifts, which means I've given off the vibe mostly to my family, but, but, but also to others that, that nothing would make me happier than to get me another peanuts thing. Right. (laughs) That like this. And, And I do, I love it. I would not give any of them away. I, I, I love being surrounded by, by peanuts. I do. Uh, But but it really does strike me that if you just give even the smallest hint that you like something, especially if you're a dad, if you give like even the smallest hint that you like something, you're stuck getting that forever. Like that's like that is going to be your every year gift uh, until you die. That's that's pretty much what you're going to be getting. So this year I got the coolest peanuts thing of all for for my uh, uh, anniversary, maybe um, no, for father's day, I got like a classic old peanuts volume, like a, like a book set from like 1971. And it was like this, and it's like the vintage one. And it was really cool. And I love it. And, and it's great. And I was thrilled to get it. Uh, but then when I brought it upstairs, I realized like, I got to put this in my enormous bookshelf of nothing but peanuts stuff. And, and, uh, and I thought, Somebody really could think I was a crazy person. They would think that that is the world's biggest peanuts fan, and that's probably not what I am, but but I'm willing to live with it. That's how that goes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Gifts can become a sort of self fulfilling prophecy in yes. a way. Yes. Yes. I, I had a friend who who that happened for her with frog stuff.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. You let people know you like frogs. Forget it.
0: I don't think she even really let people know like she was <laughs> fine with frogs, but like it just suddenly became like, Oh my God, you have all this frog stuff. Yeah. You're, you know, and that's what happens when we're out in the world and and we see something we it makes us think of the person.
1: Right. Right. And I, I wouldn't want to change that. That's really cool. It's just sort of like, all right, I'm not, if I don't get any more peanuts things for the rest of my life, and I bet you <laughs> if your friend got no more frog things, she'd probably be okay. She'd probably she'd be, be like, Yeah, she'd probably be like, Yeah, okay, that's fine. But yeah, it, it won't end. It's never yeah. gonna end, you know. Yeah. I don't want to offend anybody who who, you know, because I might have people out there might be like, Well, give me your peanut stuff. I'm a huge peanuts fan. And 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 my answer to you is no, I will never give up my peanut stuff. But but you probably like peanuts more than I do. I think that's really all I can say about that. So there you go. We, we did it. Right we we, did,
0: we it. did it. We did it in an hour and a half.
1: We yes, did it I, in an hour and a half. That could I, not be better.
0: I believed in us that we could do that.
1: You did not believe in us we could do an hour, though, did you? I
0: didn't. Yeah, no. I think of myself as a realist optimist. Yeah. <laughs> What is
1: your realist optimist uh, vision for the Phillies? That's how we're ending this thing. What wh- how many games back will the Phillies finish or will the Phillies win the division?
0: Oh, the Phillies will not win the division.
1: Okay. So um, you're, that's the realist part of you. What's the optimist part of you say?
0: Well, the no, the realist optimist part of myself says that they will um that they will win like the second wild card spot.
1: Okay. And then
0: who knows what might happen in that wild card game? Although, right. of course, whoever wins that wild card game is just going to be mowed down by the machine guns of the Dodgers. Um, so, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that even best case scenario, that's as far as the Phillies Phillies go. You um, never know. You, you never, never know. You never know. They they certainly the talent on their team exists for them to go on the kind of winning spree that the Mets have recently gone on. Like yes. that could happen. I still think even if that happens, I'm not sure that they win the division. Um, but I think that uh, that. But
1: they, they are they, they are at this very moment as we speak. They are in that second wild card spot. So yes, they that are. That so means. that
0: that could happen. Um, it, it could just, happen.
1: All right. Well, that's a good realist optimist one. That's good. Well, we will check back with you very soon. Ellen, I cannot thank you enough.
0: Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. Anytime.